A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The words of Jesus in John 13, 34 to 35. Let's talk today about love. Jesus calls it here the distinguishing marker of his true disciples. Elsewhere, he calls it the greatest commandment that summarizes all other commandments. Paul calls it the greatest of all virtues. Even greater than faith and hope is love. The Beatles let us know that all you need is love. Huey Lewis taught us about a particular power of love. Shakespeare mused that love is a many-splendored thing. Mariah Carey had a vision of love. It was all that you've given to me. Clearly, everybody desperately desires love in their life. Love songs and love stories abound all around us. Turn on your radio, go to the movies, love. But what did Jesus mean when he called us to love? Here in John chapter 13, what was his vision of love? No offense to Mariah, but I think when he spoke of love, he had a vision vision that was pretty different than ours. Let's take a look. Welcome back to the Such Things podcast. David here, and we are continuing our series from the Gospel of John in chapter 13 today. We've been taking a fresh look at Jesus, and we'll be exploring this question together in today's podcast. What was his vision of love? Let's read John 13, verse 1. Listen to the Word of God. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not my feet, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. 
You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Boy, uh, this is not part of my talk today, but it just occurred to me, this story of Jesus washing their feet. It kind of reminds me of an earlier story we had heard about, about that woman who washed his feet with her hair. Maybe there's a connection there. You go think about that. All right, but let's look at this story. What was Jesus' vision of love? (laughs) Well, number one, love equals serving. Love equals serving. See, in the Gospel of Luke, when he, he's talking about this whole this same dinner, dinner party, Luke tells us that at this dinner, the guys had been arguing about who was the greatest at this same dinner. See, I wonder if Jesus, during the argument, sort of quietly excused himself into the kitchen, grabbed a towel and a basin and slipped back into the room. And as they're arguing, he just sort of, without anyone noticing, just started washing Peter's feet. And I imagine all the guys just fell silent. To see Jesus performing the duty of the household servants as they're sitting there arguing about who's the greatest. <laughs> and this just, just just hours really before he would go to the cross. I mean, can you imagine? Can, can you imagine? Okay, you're sitting down to eat your, your holiday meal a month ago. Uncle so-and-so is loudly debating with aunt such and such, and such about, <laughs> you know, whatever families argue about. And then all of a sudden... A knock on the door. You open the door and like, man, who's who's knocking? And then there's a couple guys there in the doorway when you open it, standing there in suits and dark glasses. And they step out of the way to reveal it's the president. The president of the United States. And you're baffled. And he just sort of lets himself in, kind of steps around you, comes in and begins to take off his his suit coat and walks in the kitchen. It gets so quiet. He grabs a towel and a bowl of water, walks over to Uncle So-and-So and just begins to wash his feet and makes his way around the table to Aunt Such-and-Such. She's not arguing anymore. <laughs> Everyone's speechless and he just kind of says quietly, yeah, it's all part of the service now. Just making the rounds this holiday season, trying to get to everybody by New Year's. Your tax dollars at work. <laughs> Reminds me of a scene from Love, actually. Um, you know, perhaps, I mean, maybe this unbelievable story becomes more or less believable depending on who, which president is sitting in office at the time. <laughs> maybe you can imagine certain presidents 
doing this or not doing this. But either way, I just think it's a totally unbelievable story. And I imagine this is how the guys felt as Jesus walks back in quietly from the kitchen. And in Luke's telling of this same dinner, he has Jesus saying these words. It says, in Luke 22, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Jesus said to them, this is the same dinner. The kings of the Gentiles, see, I wonder if this is what he said just quietly as he started washing Peter's feet and they all fell silent. (laughs) He's just looking at Peter's feet, carefully washing him, maybe looking around at the table. The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you're not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You see, to Jesus, to love is to serve. This this is his vision of love. And he says that we are called the distinguishing mark if we want to follow him is that we will love like he loves. This is how we'll be known. Okay, it's a new year. So, who will you serve in this new year? How can you serve your family, your spouse? Say, oh, you don't know how difficult my spouse is. How can you serve her? How can you serve him? Your children. Oh, you don't know, I've got such a difficult teenager. How can you serve them? Your parents. Oh, you don't know. My dad is so hard to work with. How can you serve him? Your neighbors. Oh, my neighbor is so annoying. How can you serve? Who can our churches serve in our communities this year? Who is underserved in our community? What are the glaring needs in our cities? What are the hurts of the families and the children in our neighborhoods, people are hurting. People are literally sick all around us right now. Marriages are hurting. Singles are so lonely. If disciples are to be known by their love, then I think that means we should be known by the ways we serve others. And it doesn't need to be big and flashy, necessarily. Man, just just last month, we were having our, our, our Christmas party here with a bunch of folks from church and dear brothers and sisters in Christ were over and just, you know, singing songs and exchanging gifts. And, and, and it was awesome. But let me tell you, if you've hosted a big, you know, Christmas party, you know, when the crowd leaves and the holly jolly leaves, they leave a holly jolly mess and, and, you know, at the end of the party, the, the dishes are mounting, and, and I just, I look over, and there's this one dear, sweet sister 
who's just stationed herself at the kitchen sink and she's just washing dishes. No one asked her to. Let me tell you the relief that that was to my wife (laughs) and to me. She loved us by serving us. You know, we have a new family moving into our church here in about a week and a half. I'm so excited. And we're going to, we're already preparing. We're going to serve them and just help them unload the truck, help them unpack, help them clean up the house. Recently, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of the, the, the single ladies in the church, the household of single girls, they all, they got COVID. They were feeling pretty bad. And so my wife, Lisa, just brought them a meal. Just a good home cooked hot meal. Just dropped it off. I don't even know if they knew she was coming. I, well, she probably texted them. I think right after that, the, another uh, young married couple, uh, she's pregnant. They got COVID. Felt pretty bad. And Lisa just, again, my wife, she's awesome. She just, hey, I'm going to drop off dinner. I tell you what, COVID is is rough, you know, on uh, a lot of people getting sick, but it presents opportunities for Christians to serve. You say, I don't know about COVID. I don't know about this. I don't know, but we can serve people. True disciples will. True disciples will. We will serve. We will step up. <laughs> Listen to this about Jesus here. Paul is is talking about Jesus over here in Philippians chapter 2. And it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion that make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, here it is, (laughs) in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. All right, he's going to tell us about Christ Jesus. And you tell me how this compares to John 13, the story we, we just read about that dinner party. Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, Jesus became nothing. That's what it says here. See, the way Jesus served, it wasn't just humbling. It was humiliating to wash their dirty feet, then to die a criminal's death on a cross. He's humiliated, washing feet. How do you and I react when we feel humiliated? I 
hate to be humiliated. I mean, I, I, I do. I, I hate to feel disrespected. I, I, I like when I feel like someone slights me or looks down their nose at me or, or, or just, <laughs> oh, I just, it, it bothers me. Many of our marriage arguments through the years, Lisa and I, occur when I feel that I'm being disrespected. See, even more than humbly serving, I think Jesus' vision of love, it's like, will you willingly humiliate yourself to serve? It's tough when you feel diminished, isn't it? Maybe you've got family members. You know, they they treat you like a child, like they did when you were little. And they still do. They know how to push those buttons. Maybe you, you have a boss or a coworker that just talks down to you. It's humiliating. Modern psychology might say to stand your ground and, you know, you got to push back. And let me say this. I don't believe Jesus was a doormat. But I do know this. Jesus said, and he modeled, turn the other cheek. I think he would turn the other cheek and serve them anyway. What about this insult, this injustice that I've endured? Well, that's hard. That is tough. But it leads us to Jesus' next love lesson for us. Stay with me here in John 13. Let's keep reading here in verse 18. He says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. Just listen, guys, listen to this. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going is to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Hey, ask him which one he means. (laughs) Who is it? Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It's the one to whom I'll give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. See, often at a at a meal in their time, the the, the host would 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 maybe take a piece of bread or a choice piece of meat and offer it to the guest of honor. So it says, then de- dipping the bread, the piece of bread, he he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, "What you're about to do." Do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out 
and it was night. <laughs> it certainly was. He stepped into the darkness. Going on, when he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son of him, Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new command I give you. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now but you will follow later. Peter asked, well, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me, Peter? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you're going to disown me three times. Jesus, he had a vision of love, and we saw that that love, his vision of love, love equals serving, but 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 the second thing and the final thing I gotta leave you with is this. Jesus' vision of love. Love equals forgiving. Jesus' vision of love is it's about showing mercy to those who sin against us, and even reconciling with them. See, he still washed Judas, his dirty betrayer feet, backstabbing feet, and Peter's feet. Peter, who would would cower away and deny him later that night or the next morning. He knew what they were about to do. And here's what's crazy, guys. No one at the dinner could tell who the betrayer was. Meaning, A, Judas is a pretty good actor. But B, Jesus had never treated Judas differently in in these past three years of this little band of brothers. He had never let on. He had never treated Judas different than the other guys. That's the spirit of forgiveness, of reconciliation, even to the end. I almost wonder if him handing Judas this this piece of bread, like, hey, you're the guest of honor, if he was like appealing to Judas, I'm trying to give you another chance to reconcile, bro. Love equals forgiving in Jesus' vision of love. Listen, listen, if If humiliating yourself to be a servant to others is like, you know, graduate master's level of of loving, then this is like PhD doctorate level love stuff. I mean, forgiving people in this way? How can we do this? You know, choosing to, to love that family member? Who abused you? Serving that boss or co-worker who has repeatedly disrespected you or taken you for granted? 
forgiving your spouse or your wayward child when they they wound you, you know, for the hundredth time. Again, I'm not advocating being a doormat, but I'm talking about forgiveness. Don Henley, I think it's about forgiveness, forgiveness, even if you don't love me no more. See, this is Jesus' vision of love. I didn't come up with this, y'all. This might be uncomfortable to think about these wounds. But this is Jesus' vision of love, not mine. But as his disciple, I'm bound to it. A wise man once said this, What then is forgiveness? First of all, it is a pardon. It is a fresh start, another chance, a new beginning. Second, forgiveness is a process. See, it's a pardon and a process. A process of life and the Christian weapon of social redemption. Forgiveness is always spoken of for others. Here then is the Christian weapon against social evil. We're to go out with the spirit of forgiveness, heal the hurts, right the wrongs, and change society with forgiveness. Of course, we don't think this is practical, but this is the solution of the race problem. Thank you, Martin Luther King, for those wise words. We celebrated his life just a few days ago, earlier this week. Forgiveness. Whew. Listen to our brother's Paul, our brother Paul, his words in Romans 12. He tells us love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. See, this is, remember, the love equals serving. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That's all the love equals serving, right? And now we move to love equals forgiving. Listen, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Oh my gosh. So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Go back and study those words. See Jesus' vision of love. Paul shared it. Love equals serving. And love equals 
forgiving. We got a lot of angry people right now. And I, I understand it. I felt it myself. A lot of people crying out for justice or change. Or we need to go back to the good old days when things were better. You know, amen to these things. Amen. We need it. We need change. We need justice. We need to get back to some things. But we also better keep spreading Martin Luther King's plea for forgiveness, mercy, reconciliation, because he was just echoing Jesus' plea, Jesus' vision of love. See, that's what Jesus showed us here in John 13, how to pour yourself out on the altar of someone else's sin. Even when that sin was directed against you. (laughs) This is easier said than done. I get it. How are we going to do this? How do we love like this? But with Jesus as our good shepherd, he'll help us. Remember the lesson we just talked about it. Jesus is our good shepherd. He's going to help us. He's going to shepherd us to do this. So let me close out with some of his words. The words of our shepherd. A few chapters later here in John 15. Let me read this. He says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whenever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. He says it right here again. Love, love. He says it a couple times. Love. Be a friend. Be a friend. He talks about friendship here. I'm your friend. We need to make friends, not enemies. He says, bear fruit. Go out. We will bear fruit. See, if we love, fulfilling his vision of love, if we if we love as servants, sacrificial, humbly, if we love with mercy and forgiveness, if we go out and be a friend to all we come across, we will bear much fruit. This is the fruit I want to bear this year, the fruit of serving and forgiving, loving. (laughs) John Eldridge, I was listening to his podcast earlier today, he said, you know, You can't live upset. You can't live upset. That's no way to live. So I can choose to love, amen? So so this year, let's, let's have this vision of love, this vision of Jesus with a towel wrapped around his waist, 
a wash basin in his hand, washing the feet of his own disciples as they argued about who was the greatest, as they were about to betray or disown him. Let's keep that vision in front of us, knowing that just like that night around that dinner table, our seemingly small, loving acts of humble service and mercy, collectively, these acts of love and of forgiveness, they they can be the the trimmers that crescendo to a mighty earthquake, toppling grand buildings and structures of hate in our world. Because I believe the world is in a dark place, but the world is also poised for revival right now. And let me tell you, the revival will begin with the followers of Jesus and a revolution of love, of vision, of his love. It will be a vision of Jesus-style love, humbly serving, mercifully, mercifully forgiving. So turn off the podcast and go. Go out there and love someone, serve someone, forgive someone, befriend an enemy, bearing much fruit for the cause of Christ. the Lord today, for He is all my hope and stay. A God is good, His name is great, hallelujah.